And welcome back to another Fantasy Take TV podcast. We've got so much to go over today. Team strategies, what are the things we're aiming to fix and achieve as we lead into the buys, the best options on each line, rookies, Twitter Q&A, captain options, and so much more. And you're, of course, hosted today by the happiest man in fantasy. It is JD. And joining me is my co-pilots, the men that can fly if they believe they can fly. It's George and Eno. Uh, George, firstly... How are you going for the week? Let us know something positive that's happened to you in the last seven days. Something positive that's happened. Um, gee, you put me on the spot. I can't think of anything at the moment. I'll get back to that in a second. But well, my team scored. Um, well, I'm just trying to think about Supercoach team. It was not gone, not, not having gone. Um, I, honestly, I don't know. But my team scored 2,459, um, ranked 26K. Uh, okay score. Um, got... Didn't have any of the big scores this week. so a little unfortunate. And my trades were Grundy to Clary, Cherry to Hayes, and Rochelle to Roses. So um, probably something that happened to me. Well, I think I went I went to Chinatown, as I said in my video, and had a very nice meal. I ordered a, a curry, Indian, a curry, Thai, like, you know, green curry. Mm-hmm. I could barely eat it because it didn't specify that it had chili in it. Right. So that was a little bit unfortunate, but I did my best. I was sweating at the table. And I'm pretty sure I saw the um, girl from the Amy ad that dreams about Parker there. Ooh. So I think that was pretty cool. <laughs> that is a okay. sign for the week ahead. So, yeah. yeah. Yes. That's not a sign to say what your trade should be this week. I don't know what is. I knew because that then... was Saturday and I think Parker played Sunday. So I should have known. Should have known. Should have known. Uh, and Eno, how about yourself? How did you score? And and let us know something positive that happened to you in the last seven days. Well, I guess a positive off the top is is a green arrow. Like that's got to be positive. I think we've had four red arrows in in consecutive weeks for my team anyway. And yeah, I am talking in that is FPL terminology. So I guess I'll mention a positive. I, I was number one in Australia in FPL for 24 hours. Doesn't matter anymore. I think I'm back out to about ninth. So the ship sailed. I think I butchered the last week. So. That doesn't matter, but for 24 hours, that that was a positive. And, um, you know, for, for those who don't play FPL, what, how many people did you compete against? Like nine or 10 mil or something like that? Like it's nine mil to start the year, but like any fantasy game, I'm sure that's halved by now, you know, as people don't drop off. Um, same happens in Supercoach probably, but yeah, it's like nine mil, but um, I think it's like I'm 200th in the world now. So anyway, that's, that's a positive, but that's not Supercoach and that's not why people are here, but the green arrow in Supercoach, so went up to 28K from 30K. So, you know, making big moves, us boys, aren't we? Um, 2,441. So, like you, Jody, I think we had McC- uh, Captain McRae, which which hurt a little bit when every other mid and seemingly every other player in the whole team went 140 plus this week. So, well, what was the weekly? Like 2,800. And like, this is just stupid in round seven. So, massive scoring week. But um, anyway, yeah, we're going to keep upgrading and trying to get our team better and and keep rising those ranks. Well, I'm very impressed with the going early on Clark and another week of trading in more tons. Clary and Clark both tonning up straight onto your field. Love that. Great effort. Uh, myself, uh, I scored 23.94, so easily the worst of us. Uh, yeah, McRae captain, as you mentioned, as well as then uh, Dugowie on fields with uh, Gastro being the ultimate tagger. Uh, that's that's hurt. He's he's dropped a couple of poor scores since joining the squad uh, and ranked around 27k now. My trades I think were quite similar flavor to to yours, um, which is Rochelle, Horn, Francis, and Hayes uh, out, and then uh, Oliver, Hayes, and Roses in. 
so first topic for today that we're going to transition into is what are we doing with our teams here? We're at a an interesting spot in the year. I mean, a lot of people kind of say that we all start with the same team and kind of finish at the same team, but what differentiates the good and the bad sides and the good and the bad coaches is what you do in the middle together. That's where you can make up ground or lose positions. So I think we're at a pretty critical spot. A lot of teams have, have chewed through two or three uh, boosts at, at least, if not more, and we're kind of heading towards that buy period. What are you doing with your teams? What are you aiming to do either this week or the next few weeks to kind of get yourself not only prepared for that, but maybe to get an advantage over others? And George, how about we start with you? Yeah, so the next few weeks are going to be pretty important. I think it's we have to think about the buys the next few weeks when we bring in players. So I look at my defense. I'm crying out for a player in the middle buy in the defense. And unfortunately, the one I'd like is Tom Stewart. He is gone for me. So I think if you can pay for 600 for Stewart, that's fine. So I need to patch up. I've got O'Driscoll and Dacos. I need to get them off the field pretty soon. Dacos, I'm still okay to field. O'Driscoll has a soft matchup this week, but he needs to get off the field. I have um, the praise rock line. Um, I don't want to keep praising every week. I want to get out of this um, just purely because of Gorn and the West Coast matchup coming up. And Gorn's still going up in price. So probably grab Gorn this week. I'd love to get Luke Parker. I don't think I can do it with how my team's set up. I think it's just worth getting off bad rookies off the field in defense first. So, um, yeah, trying to find the balance. And I think I'd like to get Jack Steele for Nick Martin in before the buys, which sounds weird, but it just kind of, they both have the same buy anyway. And I should field eight in the midfield regardless. So that's where my team's at. Um, yeah, trying to figure out which defender I want and having a hard time figuring that out. But uh, how about you? I know where are you at at the moment? Um, looking at my buys, it's surprisingly set up pretty well, not by um, any planning of my own doing, but having Stuart and Dawson, they've both got that middle buy that you're talking about. So I've already sort of got it split where two in the first, two in the second, and then it's Sicily and Dacos in the last. So that's perfect. Dacos will go hopefully at that buy and what defender I'll get in um, is yet to be determined. You know, Sinclair, Doherty, whoever's looking all right around that time. It won't be crisp because that, he's got the same buy, obviously, with Dacos, so it probably doesn't make too much sense. In the midfield, um, that's actually looking not too bad as well. So I don't have a protractor like you guys, which doubles up on the Melbourne guys. Um, I've got to get Crips this week, which we'll talk about later. Um but then it's just whether or not I downgrade Horn Francis this week and use a boost doing so or just hold on. Ruck line's fine. I've got Darcy instead of Gorn. Not that he's played or scored anywhere as many points as he has, but um, he's my one primo ruck. So I'm you know able to bench Hayes this week um, if that goes well. And then with Parker, um, we'll speak about it with Cripps later with my team specifically, but and a question I think some people have from Twitter, but have to again skip Parker for another week or maybe more um, like you, George. So... He looked like a great pickup last week for 470k. So if he got that, that was that was a great move. Um, but yeah, as you said, look for look for the buys. Make sure you plan for them, and then don't. I'm not going to be afraid to use the boosts and and run out of them by the time the buys hit. Like I don't think we're they're gonna we're gonna be desperate for them to use like four trades across the buys. Just just upgrade. You know, I got still a, a trash F6 in my situation, which is probably what's putting me further behind or not allowing me to catch up. To the good teams because I'm still having to field a Durden, a Dixon, or someone every week. So I've got to fix that up. Um, but yeah, that's how the team's sort of looking um, for the next sort of month or so. What about you, JD? 
Yeah, so buys planning hasn't come into consideration as much for me yet. I know there's a few last upgrades on each line that I want. So I need Steele in the midfield who has the first buy. Tim Taranto in the forward line is an interesting one. Maybe even Doherty in defense. So there's a few like upgrade targets in that first buy run that I'll wait to upgrade last to. So without focusing on that too much, my main priority has been to get bad rookies off the field, like you two have kind of talked a little bit already, and uh, get into a spot where I'm not fielding Durden, Dixon, Roses, who I fielded two of last week. Um, so, yeah, and I think this is the week I'll finally be able to achieve it. Um, so my last three rookies on field should be Dacos, Martin, and Clark, which is a really good spot. Uh, and then I can kind of pick between um, uh, trading those or moving those on or, or moving on like the last of my mid prices, like a berry. And then once that's all done, I can kind of fix up underperforming primos that may be like a Whitfield or potentially a Canelio. So that's kind of uh, where I'm at at the moment. And I'm just burning through my boosts as quick as I can to make that happen. I don't have any real interest in holding one for the buys. Uh, for like the reasons you've talked about, like we've got enough trades during them anyway. Your team's going to be mostly complete, so it's unlikely you're going to need to boost at that point in the season. So, yeah, racing for the finish of an upgraded team, and then I think I'm going to have extra trades to fix up, you know, any issues that I have. Uh, but mainly hunting value to do this as well. So, I'm very conscious of the fact that if I'm trading in Stewarts and Gorns and whoever it is that is scoring very well, but a price at the top, it's going to um, slow down my upgrade cadence. So. I'm going to have to miss on some of these top guys now and hope I can pick them up later once my team's finished. All right. So it might be worthwhile then going through some of the best options in each of the lines because I know that's on a lot of people's minds as they look to upgrade as well as then figure out, um, you know, upgrade targets either for the buys or to finish out the teams to be ready for buys. Let's jump into defense. There's a few players on the menu and one that's been talked about more so than most is uh, Tom Stewart who went one... Was it 87 or 89? 87. 87, just yeah, quietly, 187. Um, and he has pumped himself way into the 600 range. So a lot of people are saying, should I bring in Stuart this week? And it does feel like it's a now or never week for Stuart just because the break-even's low. That 187 is going to be the rolling average for a couple of weeks. And so, so he's going to well and truly you know, get into the mid-600s. Me personally, before I hand over to you, just so I think we've got a bit of a split, right? George and I don't have him. I know you do have him. So some different perspectives here. Even if I had everything else perfectly fine, I just can't justify paying over 600K for a defender. That is, you know, Uber midfield money is what you're looking at spending on a defender, which generally hasn't worked out. I think Stewart's probably played the best game, super coach game that he'll ever have in his career. I don't think he'll ever hit the heights of that again. Um, so going after him for over 600K feels like chasing points when what we saw through the first half of the year plus, or sorry, the first part of the year plus five points is probably where I would have his average pegged. So in that like, I don't know, 110 to 115 range is probably more realistic for, for him here on out. So for me, I would love to have him and the buy works great as George mentioned, but for, you know, into the 600s, it's a pass. Uh, George, anything you want to build on with that? And and do you want to talk about, I don't know if you watched the game, but do you want to talk about the role um, that he yeah. had during it? It's a, it's a piss take role for fantasy scoring. He, uh, gets down back and then he pushes up the ground, starts on a wing sometimes. So they use him to live, deliver the ball inside 50 and he's like back intercepting and getting junk and 
it's probably why the Frio mid scored so bad just because, you know, if they had 60 kicks between three of the midfielders, 40 of them went in Tom Stewart's hands. So, um, yeah, I think the role, when he went on a roll, um, when he changed, I think it was round six, he started this wing, starting on, start, starting on the wing a bit more. And his, I wasn't sure if it would be good or not for fantasy scoring, but well, he just scored a 187 in it, but I still feel like he was more defense um, in round seven. So, yeah, I think it just he basically has a bit more opportunity opportunity to get the ball up the ground more. So I think he's you can bump his scoring up from like you know maybe instead of sub 110, it's I don't know 110 to 115 that sort of range. So look, if he's 600k and you can afford him, and it doesn't uh, punish your future upgrades, I don't see why not just get him now. He was only you know. 30, 40K more of what you'd expect to pay for him. So I can't get him. I can't afford him. I'll have to go for like a Dawson probably who's 100K cheaper. And I think Dawson's like my D15 at the moment, which isn't great on my ranks. And I think Stewart is like top three. So yeah, um, bit of a tough spot. So if you can afford him and you're in position to, I'll definitely grab top Stewart this week. What do you think, Eno? Would you grab him if you didn't have him this week? Or too expensive? It's too exp- like he's six hundred and seven k for a defender, unless you think he's going to genuinely be maybe like one fifteen, one twenty average from here. Then I then I can see a reason to do it, but I just don't think it's just not value enough to to do it. And with with the cash gen looking like it is, which isn't great, um, then I just I just think you got to get cheaper options and, and value picks elsewhere. Like obviously he's a defender of choice, but like if you had between him or Parker this week, I just think you bring in Parker ten times out of ten. Like it probably gets a worse rookie off field. It, it probably helps you in the long run. I just don't see why Stewart well, would I think be an some, option at six hundred k. Yeah, some people need to get defenders in more than others. So yeah, look, if you can afford it, then I I I would maybe entertain it. I just don't like it at six hundred and seven k. Like it's. I don't know. There's 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 midfielders that are going to average more than him for for less. Um, I get the position. Yeah, if you need a defender, but um, I just I just wouldn't be looking at him, JD. I, I I know you agree, but I just can't see it. And that's not me trying to gatekeep the pick. Like I, I I'm happy watching him every week. Or you don't even have to watch him. You just know he's going to um score half decent. But uh, just yeah, I don't like the value. I, I mean, like for me as well. Like you just look at some of the mid fielders at the moment so you've got took at 590 petrarca at 560 crips at 526 uh what's brayshaw down to yeah what's brayshaw 580 do you have stewart averaging more than any of those picks no at best case the same like 115 but you're gonna have you can field greg clark at m8 and he's going to put what can he average? I don't know, like maybe in the eighties yeah. somewhere. And then That's what is it? Oh, Driscoll in defense instead, and McCartan like and Hinge. They're probably like what, 65, 70. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, is it just for one Greg week? Clark could probably do or... more. I, I don't know. Kind of depends where you're at, because yeah. a lot of us are trying to work around the buys as well. Like they might want to hold, keep fielding Dacos and Driscoll to the buys. So, <sighs> yeah, bit of a tough, tough one, but. I see, yeah, I think 600k is fine if you want to pay it. If you can, if you can't, go for Parker if that fits your structure better. Yeah, I would just look ahead. If you're in that situation, I'd just look ahead and see who you can upgrade to next week because if paying 600 for Stewart next week means that you have to get, say, like, Dugowie at 460 rather than 
a good midfielder or something. Mate, no one wants to go. I know that's what I'm saying, but that's what I'm saying. Exactly. I'm saying like yeah. if you have to, if getting Stuart this week forces you into like Dugowie is the Cap- best premium you, you can get to next yeah. week, or right? Like your, <laughs> right? Like yeah, exactly. You're gonna have better options this week by going um, like Parker and then like a different defender that's 100k cheaper or 50k cheaper yeah. next week. Like, yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm just sense. saying like weigh up what your tra- your next trade is next week. Oh, you gotta look at going. Ahead. If going yeah. stew isn't going to kill that for you, then like, yeah, he's going to, I mean, he, I think we've all been saying, maybe not, but basically after round one, he's the number one option that we would love to have that wasn't in our teams. It's just, he didn't drop. He never dropped. This was 570 and now he's not going to drop anytime soon. So um, like, yeah, I'm really confident he's going to continue to score. Well, he's got a safe floor, but it's just too much money. And I guess, um, like this is probably comes down to a little bit of philosophy and like strategy with our trading. How much are we going for value to upgrade teams versus just getting the best players in the line? I have sued, I guess, a little bit more towards going for value and getting guys there that are close enough just so I can get a finished team. George, it sounds like you're leaning a little bit more towards just paying up for the big dogs. If I can, ideally, because I think if you have enough trades left, I don't. But um, you can like finish your team with a like really strong because the defenders you probably want your defenders going like 107 plus, you probably want your forwards going 105 plus. But it might be okay if you just have like a weak F6 or D6 and then like perfect everywhere, everywhere else. Because you need Tom, if you want a perfect defense, you need Tom Stewart at some point. And if you're not getting him now, well, it's only going to get worse the next five or six weeks. Um, because yeah, that 187 will be in his cycle for a few weeks. So he's probably going to sit in the low six, low to mid 600s for, I don't know, at least a month, I would expect. So you just kind of hope yeah. that the buy he drops one. And if he doesn't, well, you got to pay up if you want the perfect defense. That's why I say pay 600 now if you if you can. All right. So let's um go over a different option then where people were kind of falling over themselves a couple of weeks ago to get him in the same position. And that was Doherty. Um, who a lot of people brought in around that 575, 580k mark. He's dropped a little bit now down to 560 off a couple of, I guess, poorer games. There's still like decent scores, uh, but I think his last three weeks have um, had an 86 and 91 in them. Is he someone that you still see as a top six defender option and a target post his buy? Or are we kind of seeing a little bit of a repeat, repeat of last year where he started off really well, but then faded as the year went on? I think he faded because he played wing. They, Teague moved him out to cater for Zach Williams because Zach Williams couldn't play midfield. So Williams <laughs> went back and then Doherty went on the wing. Then Doherty had the uh, cancer issue, unfortunately. So his kick-ins are still pretty low. He shares them with like four other players. Um, so I don't think like one... Maybe you can go 115. I don't think 120 is certainly not sustainable. But like Maybe like 110 to 115 range. He shares a buy with Shorts, Whitfield, and somebody else, George Hewitt. I don't know how you can. It's Ridley a as well. Bit, yeah, it's a little tough to uh, get him in. So I think I'm just happy to wait post buy. I think his break even's high enough that where unless he goes massive, it's he won't go up too much in price. So yeah, he's still a target I'm looking at. Um, yeah, I think five sixty is a decent deal for for Doherty. Someone you're looking at, you know. Yeah, I won't have too much more. Just assess him for another month. I'm in the position to do so and then see if he's the last defender that I want to get in. So, yeah, just get another look at him for a month. You know, it's still going to be hard for him to play out the season, you'd think, because he yeah. had a lot of time off. So we'll see how he goes. But that's something I'm still a little bit hesitant on. But, um, 
he's playing well. He's averaging like got to be high twenties, almost thirty touches a game. So next, uh, I guess, player to talk about is one that I would rather we skip over, but was a great pickup <laughs> by both of you two. I think at five hundred k. And that is James Sicily up to 552,600 off a couple of a really amazing games. Actually, his last three weeks have kind of been really good, um, averaging around that 120 mark over the last year. I think it's 118. Uh, still has a pretty achievable break even in 92 and could go up more. Is Sicily someone that you'd be advocating for people to get in, especially if they're looking for someone in the last buy, which is where he sits, right? Yeah, so I think same price as Pendlebury and Crisp. Um, so out of those three, I probably have Sicily, then Crisp, then Pendlebury. Um, love Pendles, though. Been really, really good the past few weeks. So, yeah, I think you can pay 550 for him. I think that's fine. Um, at this point, it's like, you know, when he was 500, I was like, I better get him in. Like, I need to look for some value here. But now it's like you don't really don't have to get Sicily anymore. So there are perfectly fine alternatives at a similar price. So... Yeah, you can get him in if you want, but not as high priority as it was the last few weeks. Wish I started him, but oh well. Yeah, look, for me, if if that 50K meant or 50-something K meant a better upgrade next week than, than getting Stewart in, then I, I would definitely advocate for Sicily instead. Um, I think, he, you know, he can go 105 to 110, so maybe five, you know, five to eight points per game less than Stewart. Maybe for the rest of the season, but yeah, that, if that fifty k is important and make sure you know make sure you get a good player next week, not not someone you know skeptical like we were saying before, then I would definitely advocate for him. Perfect. Moving on to I guess another option that shares that round twelve buy it was the one we left off. So there's a fair few really good premium defenders that all have that first buy. Um, is uh, Jack Sinclair. So he had gone 100 in each of his first six rounds, 100 plus, and then last week in Cairns in the dewy, awful conditions against Port dropped an 85, and it has a break-even of 129, priced at 560K. And coming into a matchup against Melbourne this week, what are the thoughts on Jack Sinclair? Is this someone that you'd be looking to bring in post-buy to finish? Uh, can you see him kind of going in that 105-plus range and being a, a serviceable option around around the mark? Yeah, I think he's a perfectly fine target. I think he's proven enough. Back half of last year was good. I think tough conditions this week. More than happy to bring him in after his buy. Pretty simple. Yep, it's just similar. It's a Doherty one I'll assess and then whoever looks the better option after their buy I'll I'll be looking at. So yeah, I, I like like John said, the conditions just didn't suit and the fact that he still went eighty five um is actually pretty good. So um yeah, definitely definitely still on the radar for sure. And then next up on the list is one that we talked about, I think a little bit earlier, especially around TPP changes and all that in uh, Dane Zorko. He would be the cheapest option we've discussed so far at 516K, break even of 107, but a good matchup in West Coast this week. He's moved around in a few roles so far. Uh, I guess, yeah, good question here on um, what have you thought about Zorko and is this someone that you like as a I guess a discounted option to the ones we've talked about so far? Not really, but he's moved. I think thirty three percent CBAs moved back into the mids a little bit. His field kicking is pretty sublime. It's quite good to watch. Um, wasn't great to watch when we didn't own him last year, but it, he's good at it. Uh, he's a bit older, I guess. Don't know if he's Achilles is going to hold up throughout the year. 
think he's a pass. But I think there's remember he had a few really, really massive games last year, like 130 plus, had a 170 thrown in there playing mid. So still got it in him, just a few too many question marks on durability for my liking and role, I guess. Like, do they want to use him more forward later at some point? I guess we thought that maybe last year, but it didn't happen. So, uh, yeah, scoring power is there. Durability makes me a bit nervous, so I'll pass. But if you want to take a risk, I tried to take a risk on hole and it backfired really, really bad. And so I wouldn't go there again. But yeah, up to you if you want to go for that. What about you, Eno? Yeah, it's just the age and injury that, that scare me. Like, uh, he's actually playing pretty well. It's funny, he's got defender mid status and he's probably playing more like mid forward this year, but. I think as Kitty's come back, he's just pushed back to midfield forward role. And um, yeah, he was super yesterday. You know, he could have kicked a couple more goals and finished with a bag. But just injury and age, they worry me too much. I just, yeah, I don't want to trade in someone like that. He, Pendles is in the same boat. I'm pretty sure we've talked about it a couple of times. I just don't really want to be risking guys like that um, and having to use a trade. And especially maybe in this back half of the year, right, we're going to be out of boosts. And you just, I don't know probably isn't too much of an issue but you could get two injuries in a week or something or i don't know and you just don't want to be dealing with that so i'd rather it's a risk i'd rather not take if i'm honest but i could totally see him averaging like 105 from here so i don't totally um hate hate on it but yeah that injury worry just kills me yeah i think the most interesting thing on zorko is that he has moved up to the 33 percent cbas this week so um the upside is there that if he continues to get that role but yeah for all the reasons you've kind of mentioned not one that i'm in love with especially when it's not that much more expensive to get say sicily uh and then finally uh i guess one other comparable option to zorko around the same price is one that you already mentioned george and that's uh jordan dawson 516k 125 break even so could even potentially drop a little bit more um has been pretty consistent with kind of around the 100 mark basically in, in all of his games apart from a, the one where he kicked the winner and he went to 123 and then one a couple of weeks ago we went 81. Uh, thoughts on Dawson as an option? I, I think you mentioned you had him around what D15 or 16 from here? Something like that. I think he can maybe push up a bit. I think Hinge should come back in the team this week and then he'll hold and then Brody Smith will come back from concussion so he might move up the ground so there might be a bit of upside for his scoring. I just figure at his price and he has the middle buy. I think a lot of people will be looking for that type of player. Might fit the bill. You can't get up to Tom Stewart. So I would rather Tom Stewart. But um, Dawson seems like an option that um, for people in position, if they're slightly worried about cash gen um, or the trades, you could go for this sort of option. Otherwise, I'd, I'd pay up elsewhere. But I think there is upside at the price and he should be projected to be about 500k next week so i think that's a decent price for someone who should average 100 for the rest of the year with upside so yeah just thought of one i'd put out there but yeah might have a few others going 105 to 110 even more that you lose i don't know five ten points a game in the back half of the year but at least you save some money so it should help yeah i think the upside for dawson oh firstly he's got i guess some safety in the sense he's taking the majority of crow's kickouts at the moment which is helping him not drop too many poor games but I think there is some upside that 
he's been moved around a fair bit and hasn't really landed that perfect role within the Crows yet. So if that kind of clicks, you could see some upside. We also saw him come home really strong last season in the Swans averaging 115 as a wing over that period. So yeah, depending on what happens here, might be in for something similar where has underperformed through the first half of the year and then has something that clicks for him to bring it home. Anything else to add, Eno? Nothing. It's just if he stays defense for the time being, Brody Smith usually takes the next um, amount of kick in. So, you know, he's usually takes two or three a week. So if, you know, he'll be out, um, that'll, that'll help. And then as you said, if Hinge comes back in, I think he'll start moving up the ground and that's again, a positive. So there are positives. It's just maybe um, as a non-owner, you want to wait and see if they come to fruition. So yeah, I'll still have him on your radar for sure. Uh, and then I guess there's one last option listed here, which uh, I don't even know what we're talking about. In, but I do have a quote prepared because it does remind me of the next play we're going to talk about. And that quote is that there's nothing in a caterpillar that tells you it's going to be a butterfly. Just like how there's nothing in Lockie Whitfield that tells you he's going to be a premium. So why is he on the run sheet, guys? What, what's the Lockie Whitfield talk here at 433k? Well, he's playing forward now. You need to... A- you need to watch that and get out of it sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, that's a concern. Three goals and six tackles and still didn't turn up. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, D53 by average and 43 by total points. <laughs> oh, boy. When uh, I think I can't remember exactly what it was, but he was on like 100% efficiency, had kicked a goal or two and still had a negative fantasy to super coach ratio. <laughs> really? And at that point, you're like, yeah, this pick isn't going to work out. <laughs> this is pretty bad. I thought there was a chance that it'd work out because he'd be moved up the ground, but I didn't think they'd move him that far up the that ground. That far up the ground. <laughs> um, so I think... It kicks a nice goal. <laughs> yeah, he did. A um, few crumbing from stoppage as well. Uh, so you're a Whitfield owner, JD. Uh, this is... He's still, he got got a, he's still got a... He's still... First place. He's still got a... He's still got a bit of the ball in the back oh. half of the ground, but he was more forward than I've ever seen him. Yep. Um the role reminded me a bit of Josh Kelly last year, which I owned for the first six weeks of the year as well, where he just like was just saving his score by kicking goals. And it was giving me flashbacks to that, where it's like this most weeks is not a score in the 90s. It's much lower than that. And it's only been saved by the fact that he's managed to kick three goals and be like fairly clean. Uh, but this could have gone the other way pretty badly. Are you scared of the same thing happening again where you trade eventually trade them out and then just... probably why I've held Whitfield for so long this year? It's like, no, 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 oh. I'm not gonna let you get me twice, Leon. I'm, no, this is uh, yep, this one's real. Oh, could you imagine it's, that? It's quite it's a difficult spot now because the, the price could tank because of the role even yeah. further, but I don't think it, it's he's already pretty low, so I don't think it'd be too bad. His break-even this week's 92, and then um, assuming he scores okay, it actually, I think, goes lower than that as well just because he's got some of his really poor scores rolling off. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think he should some- somewhat stabilize around this as long as he doesn't go really badly, which I am somewhat worried about with them playing the Cats this week, right? You could see him get stuffed in the forward line and Cats dominate and um, drops a pretty poor score. That would be, I think, worst case. But GWS have looked a little bit better the last couple of weeks. So maybe their form as a team starting to turn, which, which you know, can help. Uh, definitely not an upgrade target for anyone post-buy unless you're really <laughs> desperate. But I think you'd probably rather just hold Dacos or something at this point. 
Okay. Uh, moving on to the midfield, uh, which is where really we've been focusing a lot of our time upgrading over the last two or three weeks. But I know some are going to be going back to the well and continuing to upgrade there at the moment. We've got a few cheap options, which we briefly mentioned we'll go over in a second. But the one that we wanted to raise, I guess, some light alarm bells on is Jack McRae. Uh, George, I think you were listing off some CBA stats for him. Have you got them in front of you in terms of um, how he's been tracking over the last few weeks? Off the top of my head, it's 60, 53, 52, something like that. So Yeah, it was all I 70s think, for the first month. And then, yeah, yeah and, and the back half, most of last year was in the 70s, except for the grand final. I remember that. But um, I guess it means I'm a little hesitant to put the captaincy on him. And if you're going to bring him in, he's going to drop further and you can snap him up because I think the CBAs will go back up. But you can you can understand with how many mids they have, like they all want CBAs. Like even Bond had 73% when he was supposed to be playing forward apparently and now he has the most out of all of them so can't work out can't work out the coach there so Mate, dunks 23 like he it's just crazy uh, at least dunks he, he runs straight into the midfield at such I a, know. he's not yeah. too bad but he just finds it yeah, yeah a bit better There's six guys so it's just too many yep so, so so my take on this is doesn't this coincide exactly with when uh, hunter came out of the side and so they've had to rotate more through the wing as well as kind of like bring in basically non-wings to play wing. And that's why we've seen this a little bit. So they're using, is it McComb? McComb's being used as a wing. Who I didn't want to talk about too much because like we'll get to McComb later in the rookie section. But yeah, being used as a winger. But I think McRae's more half forward. Like he's starting at half forward more rather than a wing. So which should be a little bit better than wing. Um I think it's, yeah, I think you just, if you don't have him, you bring him in still in a few weeks. And if you have him, I think we keep the C off him for now. Although we've been through that before. I, I thought we were going to, when he played wing, I was like, I'm not going to captain him, Look, bang, 150. He still could have gone 110. He just started really slow and gave away a few free kicks. And that just, yeah. you know, didn't didn't help him trying to catch back up. So, yeah, 89 is bad. But, you know, any other day that could have been a 110. Not his best game, but, you know, he's still got 28 touches. Um I'm not totally worried about him, but I think you're right in saying until the CBAs are back up, maybe just keep the captaincy off him for now. We've got plenty of options. It's just because Neil and Cripps are going berserk every week, and we're like, yeah. I've missed both Neil's 200s basically, so you need to get yeah. on top of that. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's just hard to trust him when you've got Neil as an option basically every week. Even like Oliver feels like he's a little bit more trustworthy than McRae at the moment in that in that role. Um, I think you're right, George. He could still pump out a really big score, especially against opponents like Port. Um, but yeah, one a bit hard to trust as a as a captain option at the moment, and it puts him in a really weird spot because for vice captaincy, I tend to prefer Dunkley anyway, just because he's got that higher ceiling than McRae seems to have. Um, so it's one that I kind of can't see myself now using in the short term until we see something uh, fix up with the role. All right, the, we've got a lot of really nice value options in the midfield at the moment. I'm going to rattle off four, and then I kind of want to hear um, a, a ranking or order in terms of priority you'd bring them in, uh, and then any any particular thoughts as you kind of go through that. And, and I might start with you. So the four we've got are Took Miller, 590K. We've got Brayshaw, 580K. 
track or trapper at uh, 560k and then we of course have crips as well at 526k which i think is probably the freebie in the list but yeah how would you yeah. order those up and any thoughts on them on them as we kind of go through yeah as you said i got to get crips in this week that is the clear number one there just the price is, is stupid and then i think if you take what the injury game out he's basically the number one scorer in the comp along with neil so that's that's non-negotiable. The next three gets a little bit trickier. Um, I think I think track would be number two for me. Like he did look really impressive on on the weekend. I know he had the poor game the week before. You're going to get that with track. You know more ups and downs, but he does those massive games in him, and the price again comes into play here. So I'll put him number two, and then the next two is 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 really tough. But that. Two, got back to his best on the weekend. The first quarter was, uh, again, the last month has been like that every first quarter. But to score 150 points in the next three, um, he, he looked back to his absolute best. And that 85 break even means you pretty much got to snap him up now at under 600 and then and then get him uh, – because you, you won't be able to really get him at that price um, ever again, I'd imagine. And then for me, that puts Brayshaw fourth, even though I don't know if I think he's the fourth best there. Maybe he is, but – he will drop some more with 157 break even. So you can wait another week on him. Um, I still don't hate getting him in at this price. They have North this week. That's easily attainable for Bray. He can go nuts, especially at home. So um, I still don't hate getting him in this week, but I'd have him at four. Um, you didn't want me to rank him, right? So Yeah, yeah. so Cripps one, Petraka two, Tookmiller yeah. three, Brayshaw four. George, Correct. how do you feel about that list? Anything you'd like to change or add? I think Cripps is one at the price. I think I have Tuka at two just because of his ceiling last year is higher than the other two. Track three, four Brayshaw. I think you can go Brayshaw over track, but the 20K is kind of nice to save. Um, so, yeah, Tuka's yep. second. I think it's the only difference there. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I think, George, your kind of ranking is where I would have naturally had them just because I have that ultimate faith in Took that I probably don't have in Petraka. And we haven't mentioned anyone on there kind of like a Tom Green or a Ben Keys who kind of fit in that price range as well. You wouldn't have either of those against any of the four we've ahead of the four we've already listed. Or even like a Tom Mitchell. I don't think so. He still hasn't been that good. No. Nope. Okay. Uh, they're still fine if you want them though. I they're think. still fine, yeah. What yeah. Okay. So then the only question um, I have here, especially when it comes to Brayshaw and Protraca as options. Uh, how many of that last buy is too many in the midfield? So I know there are, you know, many teams that might have three of these already, or three of the um, round 14 buy with Neil, Oliver, and then already having one of Petraka or Brayshaw. Is is four too many? Is three kind of the limit? What, what are your thoughts on this? I think it Please. is, right? Because the Rucks have the same buy, George, don't they? No, not anymore. Because we all go on Grundy Darcy at the start of the year. So, so right. but now we now we not have Grundy because he's not a thing. Go yeah. on if you've got him. Yeah, okay. Yeah, now we now we have Bruce Hayes, who should fingers crossed both Lysette will still be out. So we expect Hayes to play in round fourteen. And Bruce, well, maybe hopefully makes it to round fourteen somehow. So we well, should Darcy have one. Gorn on owners have, do though, so they're still Yeah, but they still one, but they might have the cover. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think you could go four in the mids, depending on the rest of if you're like full in your other lines. Like if you're fielding two in the rucks, you're fielding six forward, six back. You think uh, you could go four because you're trading out a lot of players on their buy, such as Dacos, 
maybe O'Driscoll. Maybe if you want to upgrade Brody, for example. It, it just depends on where you're at. You know, if you have more than, I don't know, more than seven out that buy round, then you probably can't do it. But yeah, just try and figure out. Because um, a lot of the players, a lot of the rookies that we get right now, we might be able to hold through. Like Greg Clark, we can probably hold through. Keep fielding him at M8. Uh, McComb will probably be gone by then. Maybe Carroll, we hold through the buys. Don't know. So it just depends on how many players you have out and whether you can, you know, if you're fielding enough two in the rucks and six in the other lines, you should be fine to have four out, if not three. Yeah, I'll I have think, three anyway. I can't do four. I think for those that are flush on trades, you could potentially go to four anyway. And if the situation's bad enough, you just sideways out of whoever's underperforming um, at that point. You know, so like that's potentially an option, probably not ideal, but it's not the end of the world either. Uh, okay, no, good stuff, good stuff. All right, um, so rucks, uh, the big topic here for people is uh, for those that have Pruce and Hayes, the praise combo, um, feeling a little bit of pressure last week after Hayes dropped to 53. Now, like the theory for how this is meant to work is that yes, other people have gone where you have Hayes, but your Hayes is meant to be better than say whatever rookie they were fielding, which might've been a Roses or a Durden or an O'Driscoll or whatever it is. And you've instead got an extra premium in that position that then makes up the points. This last week felt really bad for those in the prey situation because Hayes went 53, which is about the same as all those other poor rookies that I mentioned. And then Gorn basically went better than whichever primo you would have had elsewhere. So you, you ended up losing points last week pretty badly, but a little bit unfortunate in the, in the sense that Gorn had what was going always going to be a big matchup, right? Like if you, if you had him, the vice captaincy or captaincy on him was obvious from a mile away and he delivered on that. And then Hayes uh, had really unfortunate conditions with the Cairns weather, making it hard to get hit out to advantage because you don't have mids winning the ball cleanly. And it also is harder for a big man to get involved around the ground because in those dewy conditions, you don't want to be kicking to a ruck to you know, collect a handball or whatever it may be. So it wasn't getting used in the way that you would expect to. How many goals were kicked? Uh, eight? <laughs> eight. Yeah, exactly. Just, so, yeah, yeah. Not, not good conditions. So, yeah, ultimately, like, last week was was quite bad. Um, and Gorn is now at 677K, and he's in the same boat as Stuart in the sense that you get him this week or he's gone. I mean, I for me, he's already gone. Gorn's gone at 677K. It's a huge price to pay. But you just can't see him coming down in the next couple of weeks because he's going to have sub 100 break even for both of those games. And he's got St Kilda, West Coast, and North in the next three. So, yeah, very scary for non owners, Max Gorn at the moment. Um, but we ultimately come back around to the original question, which is if you're a praise owner and you've got Hay sitting at R2, should you be moving mountains to bring in Gorn at 677K? And George, from what I saw in your video this week, you're leaning towards yes. So do you want to talk us through that? I'd love to. And this is part of not owning Gorn. He sees that you, all these idiots have rookie rucks and he's like, I'm going to score 200 on these idiots and ruin their season. <laughs> I think he gets a kick at that. Anyone that doubts Gorn, he's just like, okay. Okay, next week. We'll see. <laughs> okay, best on ground. It just it always happens. It's inevitable. So... Um, I remember there was a few years ago, someone walked up to him and said, I think it was, might've been on the news or something. He's like, don't trade me out of your super coach team. And he was like injured or something. But anyway, um, <laughs> if you can, 
I would get Gorn. Just get it over with. I, I know Hayes has a good matchup this week. Gorn has Ryan and Marshall, but I guess the week after is the Stranica, maybe Bailey Williams, mm. Hugh Dixon matchup. You know, if the D Smiths are in the mood that game, that could be. I don't know. That could be a bloodbath like we've never seen. <laughs> but just um, rest Gorn. Give Jackson some uh, airtime over thing, in WA. You know, yeah. no just, kidding. Just give Jackson it, some time in the, where W Western Australia. <laughs> paying seven hundred for a player never works. It never does. Paid seven hundred for McRae. He played on a wing. Paid seven hundred for Gorn back then. He um, he got injured, I think. So, but the thing is, I think you kind of just got to get it done. So, if you can, I have three hundred in the bank because of Grundy last week. I'm gonna do it. If you have to ruin a few things, um, probably don't worry about it. Like you could go, if you didn't have Crips or Parker, and you can get those two instead of Gorn, I would go that route. Um, but otherwise, you know, if you can't get Parker for whatever reason and you can get to Gorn, I would just get it done and get to Gorn. So it depends on your team. So um, yeah, my fear is that I'm paying 680 for him and then they just, you know, let's manage him a bit more for the rest of the season, let Jackson rock a bit more. So, yeah, but I think you, you you have to have him eventually. Might as well be while he has a at ninety eight break even going into a dream matchup in two weeks. Ano thoughts? Uh, I'm with you. He's gone, gone, it's gone. Just got to pray that around the buys, um, he drops you know a, a low ton or, or maybe even a sub ton, which is probably wishful thinking, but he does get some actual opponents coming up. Besides the Shenanica game, he does get. You know, Ryder and Marshall. He gets Goldstein, who's rucking at the moment. Gets Darcy. So that's like you know three proper ruck teams with rucks in the next month. We all know Gorn can still beat him, and he can still score well elsewhere, doing other things. So that's the worry. But um, I mean, I think the big thing was him. He's nailing all his goals now. He used to spray set shots left, right. Didn't know where they were going. Now he's nailing them from fifty-five almost every time. You know, he takes a mark. I'm like, yep, here's a goal. Like he's actually kicking really well. So. Yeah, he, to be honest, he's like the he's pretty much the best ruckman since like Dean Cox. To be honest, he's insane how good he is and an influence on games. So I don't know why we sort of talked ourselves out of it um, round one, but um, you know I know you didn't, George, but <laughs> he, he's gone. So I just think you he's mean, gone. Mean too yourself, much. George, George too much. which is uh, my oh, preferred, preferred way to podcast. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, what were you saying? We probably didn't want to talk uh, about it. To be honest. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't want to pick him in the first place. No one really did because we thought that his, yeah. he'd replicate his back half of the year, which would make him overpriced. Um, but yeah, we were wrong. I think and the most impressive thing as well is like he's clunking all his marks and uh, he's getting to better positions. It's not just that he's he's marking stuff now, but he's actually in the right spots to intercept and like take forward 50 marks and stuff more so than what I've seen in previous years. So it's somewhat surprising to see his craft still improving. And so it's not just the skills have gotten better, but um, yeah, like the game IQ and where he's positioning seems to be better this year as well, which is pleasant for Gorn owners and absolute pain for anyone else. We'd be remiss not to mention, I guess the only other viable primo ruck at the moment, which would be Jared Witts with Darcy obviously coming off the concussion um, and still maybe some money to, to lose there. So he's at 557K, 45 break even. Would you consider him? I mean, he's averaging 117, which is 
Um, only nine off gone for the year so far. And he's got some softer ruck matchups still to come, I think, with like Swans this week, for example. Would you consider wits for people that can't fork out the, you know, basically 120K extra for gone? Haven't really thought about it, to be honest. I just expect regression and it just doesn't happen. Um, you could. I'd rather just get gone. I don't know what to say. Like, I'm not sure if Wits keeps this up, but he looks like he is. So I think Gorn, I think, is more likely to maintain. Is he going 130 this year? I guess he is. Uh, I think Wits. Yeah, I think it's fine. Wits has looked good. He's just killing, getting all these easy beats in the taps, in tap work. It's getting more coming up. So if, if you could only get to him, I guess it's okay. Um, but I'll just get to Gorn if you can. Yeah, he does have. Hawks coming up, the Bulldogs. Of course he does. Um, yeah. Uh, but Bulldogs I, will have English back. Oh, wait, that kind of doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I just realized like his money. <laughs> yeah, he'll kill him around the ground, but he'll, he'll smash him in the tablet. Like, like, is it possible Darcy to have a, like a career year, not just a career year, a 20-point per game, but a career year at 30 off an ACL? That's, yeah, that's pretty wild. It's got to come back. Surely. It doesn't make sense, right? Like it just does. Yeah. It's one of those things where you just put it down on the so on. I, I, I was struggling to see him average a hundred, which is like mm. his best. Yeah. The only, the only thing that really changed from his previous best year to now is just that the midfield on paper was going to be better with Miller, Rao, and Anderson in there. So he had better mids to tap to. But yeah, you know, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, it's been a bit wild that one. All right, so moving on to the forwards, lots of value to be had here as well. Um, uh, a little bit like the midfield in the sense we're probably um, flush for options here. It's just kind of picking out the best ones. So we might do the same as what we did in the mids. There's three that we've got listed here. So Parker at 510K, Dugowie at 473K, and then Toronto, who's around 500K, but has a pretty uh, large break even at 131 uh, how would you rank these in terms of priority to bring in your side this week? Throw Heaney in there as well at 535. Sure. You never miss a yeah. chance to talk about Heaney. Let's throw him in. <laughs> He's in the bracket. So who would I want out of these? Uh, number one, I think, is Luke Parker. The role is just the best out of all of them. I guess Dugowie's role is still good. So definitely Parker is very free this week. He's one. Uh, two Heaney, three Taranto, four Dugowie. I think I'd I think I'd have it the same. Yeah, I think I'd have it the same. Um, maybe to go against uh, ahead of Taranto, but it's hard just with the role he played on the weekend. I'm think I'm sure it's just a, it was a gastro thing. Um, they had a few players under the weather, and he was clearly probably the the biggest one. So I'd want to see that before trading him in, see him go back in there. But um, that would be my only swap with Taranto. Maybe having him ahead of Taranto just. I don't know with Timmy T. Like he has this, he has a scope. He gets enough touches. He just always butchers it. And yeah, um, I don't know. We've only looked for and it hasn't been pretty. <laughs> I just don't want to do it again. Twenty twenty. <laughs> His CBAs is fifty uh, percent. They're, they're enough. They're yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for me, Parker would be the obvious one this week at five ten. I think he's got a low break even. The other really nice part about Parker is just his durability, which um, some of the others that we'll talk about don't necessarily have the same runs on the board that he has. And he's also got the premium scoring history as a midfield. Um, you know, so a 105 for him seems very achievable. 
um, and not out of like, it, it doesn't require anything extraordinary to make that happen. Um, Taranto, I would actually probably have last at the moment uh, just because I think he's going to be a good option, just not this week for me. The higher break even uh, and them having the first buy doesn't make him as appealing. So if you've got Butters, Cogs, Nick Martin, they're all the first buy as well. Adding Taranto into that mix is one that I don't like. So more of a um, last upgrade or a swapping an under underperformer to Taranto at the end would be um, where my head would be at. And then uh, it's pretty hard. Like, Dugowie, I like more than Heaney in general. So I, I I'll just back in Dugowie, even though this is probably wrong. I Like, I, I love the CBAs. So, yes, Dugowie's had two really poor weeks. I'll back him in to bounce back from that um, once he's feeling better. The role is better than Heaney's, despite Heaney playing out of his mind for the most part. So... Yeah, I guess just given that he's 50k cheaper and he's got the last buy, which uh, I don't know, is probably better for a lot of teams. I don't think there's too many um, forward primos with that last buy where, you know, Heaney shares it with Parker, Dunkley, English when he comes back as well. So, yeah, I, I guess I'm using buys as a bit of a crutch here to justify picks, but I'd have to go just ahead of Heaney as a result of that. Can I just say on Luke Parker... If you're not getting in Parker this week, I think you're in trouble. Can I read out his scores from last year in the back half? Because we've, I'm, owned, I'm sure we've all owned Parker in the past, and he's been very patchy. But last year, post-buy, 116, 95, 132, 128, 122, 110, 108, 148, 110, 112. And we've got him as a forward. <laughs> it's a joke. I think it's this uh, is you, so bad. If you, like if you me, can't get you don't him have in. Crips. You have to yeah. get Crips, which I'm sure we're going to answer later. And yeah. if if you do, it's Parker. Like over Stewart, over Gorn, in my opinion, you've just got to get Parker. The value you you'll probably quicker to get the next upgrade. He's yeah. clear top six forward. He's probably top three. Like yeah. So yeah, this is third. perfect segue to. I'm sure we'll get multiple combinations of this question, and I'm glad we've headed here already. So. There are a lot of teams that won't have either of Crips or Luke Parker, and they'll be asking, do I trade in Parker this week or Crips this week? And for me, the answer is Crips. Lower break even, better matchup this week. Or actually, maybe not a better matchup. Swans matchup same, same, Goal, if you want to say. Good, and Parker's yeah. got good history against them. Um, but yeah, lower break even. And outside of his injury game, kind of he's probably averaging like, yeah, nearly 140, probably close to what Neil's been averaging. I think it's just... Crips this week it has to be um despite i guess elevated injury risk uh and in a more competitive position on your field than parker would you both agree that Crips is ahead of parker as a option this week he definitely is and even as a, an option you know score wise and everything that's the only consideration the last thing you said it's my on field i've got a field another crap rookie at f6 for one more week that's the only thing that's kind of like you're going to have to pay. The cash difference is going to be more because you expect Crips to go up by more than Parker. But again, Parker has a big ceiling. It's not like he can't either. I think I just got to go Crips and accept that I'll have to pay 550 for Parker the week after. I just think that's the way I have to go. 550 for Parker is still pretty good. Correct. In the yeah. forward line. So, uh, yeah, I think you need to go Crips. I think high ceiling, lower break even. Both. Yes, yeah. over two weeks. Like, yeah, and I, know, I think you're playing it right, you know. What happened? Josh Kelly just went 150 on the Crows. Yep. Crips can do the same. And then... We don't have I a matchup will... for Crips, but yeah. 
so I'll slightly extend this out then, uh, which is the other two, and this is like diametrically opposed theories, right? We're looking at the two best value premium options. I'm going to throw in probably the two overpriced or top price premium options in Stuart and Gone that people are looking to bring in this week. Would you advocate to people to bring in Stuart or Gone over Crips or Parker? I can't. I, my structure doesn't, Parker doesn't work for my structure, unfortunately. There are too many mid-price forwards that are scoring well and I'd rather just get crap off the field in defense So or at R2, which is getting up to Gorn. So uh, honestly, I think I'll end up going, uh, flipping like Lipinski to Parker and just pay maybe four, no, five, hopefully I can pay 550 for Parker or something um, during that buy round. If not, then damn. But yeah, it just doesn't work for me. So if okay, you're... So it sounds like the only caveat would then would be if you've got underperforming rookies in other spots where the point difference kind of justifies it. So it's like, like very team-dependent structural that you might have a Stewart or a Gone ahead of one of these other two. Exactly, yeah. But if you're flexible across all lines and it's helping you anyway, then you wouldn't Parker. advocate. Absolutely. Yeah. You go for Parker or Cripps. Yeah. 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 Okay, great. Um, so moving into the next section then, uh, which is the rookies. So uh, a lot that could be traded out this week. Um, do we just want to list off ones that we think are fine to trade? I mean, we could be doing that for a little while. Um uh, where, where do we start? Horn Francis could go this week. Uh, O'Driscoll could go this week. Uh, Dixon could, could go this week. O'Driscoll. O'Driscoll's got a good matchup, but a 77 break even, right? He can hit that yep. against North. Yeah. He's good enough too. Look, there isn't really anyone that's like a non-negotiable. They're all, they all are expendable. In my opinion, Dacos would be the only one I still would want to hold, but it is team dependent. Um, I just, I just don't think if he's, you know, you want to go. I just think you've got something else going on somewhere. Surely, like he, he's just a, an easy hold for me. But I can see people like I've seen people wanting to get rid of him just, just, just so they can afford Stewart, for instance. Like in my opinion, that's not something you do. Like you just gotta, you gotta bite the bullet on Stewart and and look for value elsewhere. So I'll be holding Dacos, but all these other guys are expendable, in my opinion. I'm starting to come around to the idea that Dacos is a bit more expendable if you need the money to get up to an Uber premium. I think I'm going to uh, hold though. It's a tricky one because he could definitely make more money from here and all it takes is another good score to kind of restart that process. He's also got the last buy, which is really useful for rookies just because you can upgrade him through that buy, buy period and kind of uh, get extra points on field as a result. The big question mark with Dacos is what's happening with the foot and the rumors around. Well, it's not even rumors, right? They've talked about they're managing him through it a little bit. Um, but there were rumors that he might get rested. And so if he's playing through a stress problem in his foot or something like that, or a hot spot or whatever it may be, you could see more poor scoring, which does, I think, make him expendable. We're kind of still in our minds thinking like 80 to 85 average, which is what he's done to this point. But if it's actually closer to 70 to 65 average, then he's really not a big upgrade over a McCartan or a hinge on field. And he probably is quite ex expendable. So I think that's probably the thing you have to weigh up. Does whatever is happening in the background there um, uh, affect his 
score by 10 points or so a week. And if so, then yeah, I'd say he's actually ex- expendable at the moment. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. I just think he can go 75 to 80 still till that till he's by and be around 400k and that's just points on field for me. Um, if Minge comes back this week, since he's sitting at my D7, it might tempt me because I think, you know, he can somewhat match him for points in the right role. So then maybe I go, okay, he, you know, Dacos hasn't got much more to make, then he's expendable and my points won't change on field. That's maybe the only reason I would consider it in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, agree. Okay, so lots of good options to trade out. Uh, what about options to trade in? There's some on the bubble, and then we've got uh, actually a fair few first gamers that debuted and had good good scores. So let's go through first uh, the 102K midfielder, Robbie McComb, who's a mature age recruit for the Dogs, put up massive numbers in the VFL, and has come into play not his traditional position at the Dogs, so uh, I, like, I guess I can start by talking about him a little bit. So he's playing wing for them and has come in with Hunter out. He is not a normal winger. And Bevo in his press conference was talking about how like his natural instinct is to ball hunt. And there was a point in that game against Essendon where he cost them a goal because he'd come in basically to ball hunt rather than holding his structure and position on the wing. But that was relayed to him you know, during the game and basically coached on the fly and he held his position well and didn't let that happen again the rest of the game for the most part is what he said. So some like negatives and some good parts in that. I think from observing his game as well, there's a couple of other concerns. His kicking wasn't great and I'm not actually sure what his reputation was as a kick coming into the league or what he was like in the VFL last year. But as a winger, his kicking definitely looks at the poorer end and we saw him have a really good game on the sheet in terms of over 20 touches, two goals, and that translate to just the 63 super coach points, which is a bit of a concern as well. So lots of, I guess, pros and cons with McComb, but um, Bevo did mention that he was going to play again this week. So uh, it looks like he should be coming through at least for that third game. Thoughts on Robbie McComb? Uh, George, let's start with you. My initial thought was he has turned over like he turned it over so much i was like ah oh, surely he doesn't hold his spot but listening to bevo looks like he's going to play he said he played his role for the team which is probably the most important thing so that yeah guarantees his job security for next week at least um he did some good things kicked two goals i think the upside and the price is, helps as well but the upside might be outweigh the risk with one of these picks given mature body so yeah, good VFL numbers, as you said. So, yeah, I'm actually going to bring him in this week. Yeah, I'm bringing him in. It's The question with him is who's, who's going to take his spot or who could take his spot? And we don't know with Hunter when he'll be back or what the go is there. There's what, Raleigh West in the in the twos. Uh, I don't think Bevo's really want to go with him. He's shown that in the past. So I can't really see anyone else taking his spot. I think Crozier is still playing twos maybe, but it's still a different position. He's more of a halfback, so I guess he can play wing. That's the only thing. But I think, yeah, as you guys said with the Bevo comments, he's played well enough to hold his spot. If he plays his third game, I'll bring him in. So Perfect. Yeah, and I think I'm looking to bring him in at the moment just because 102K, really good price point, does have the scoring upside. I think even though his use wasn't great, 
the fact that he's still able to find it 20 plus times on the wing is a good sign going forward for him. Um, and you should have games where he puts it together and the disposal isn't as bad as what we've seen. Um, just quickly before we train, uh, move on to the next rookie, kind of breaking news from uh, Ryan Daniels as we're recording this. Uh, Alex Witherden is going to be out this week with health and safety protocols as well as Jackson Nelson. So people will ask, why hasn't Witherden been talked about the defenders as an option again this week? Well, don't bring him in. He's going to be not playing this week. Um, all right. Next next rookie is the name that I don't want to pronounce because I don't know how to. Um, I think, George, you pronounced it earlier. The West Coast Ruck. Spaghetti Renatica. No, Stranatica, I think. <laughs> Just quickly, Nel- Nelson Nelson out. That's free lucky Neil Captain because he's tagged this year. So we'll just see you on Neil this week. Um, yeah. uh, Stranatica, well, we don't know the timeline of Bailey Williams' injury. It's not up yet. It's usually up like Tuesday mornings. I think the clubs update him from memory. So Stranatica is better than Bailey Williams. I think they want to persist with Bailey Williams because they've developed him and they've put time into him and he just hasn't come good, but I feel like they've committed now. Um, yeah, BJ Williams, he's not He's not. I the think they're both them. no good, yeah. Like, Stranatica Stranatica competed a bit better, I thought. His follow-up was all right. You didn't like yeah. his work? or He only had 10 hit-outs, but... Yeah. No, no, yeah, that's what I mean. His follow-up actually not bad, yeah, but yeah, the hit-outs aren't there. Um, so I think if he has guaranteed job security with Bailey J. Williams out, um, you could go for it. But I think what's happened is we've had an influx of rookies this week and last week where they're perfectly suitable replacements other than him. But otherwise, you know, he might be a nice one. BJ Williams, hamstring, we don't know the timeline. Doesn't, I mean, what's hamstring? Two to four weeks, I guess, usually. So if that's the case, then uh, the job security not might not be as good as what we'd hope for. So um, unless BJ Williams out for six, I think you could bring him in. Otherwise, uh, he could lose his spot. So, um, yeah, I'm going to pass. Yeah, it's uh, it's triggering. This is, I think, the one advantage that Prey's owners have over Gorn or Wit's owners, whatever it may be, is you can actually get an extra rookie um, at 1 or 2K in that line that others can't have, and these tend to make a lot of money. But I think you're right. It comes down to what does his job security looks like because if it's no good, then it's a dead pick really quickly. All right. Uh, there's a couple of other two gamers worth talking about as well, just quickly. So Neil Erasmus looks like he's coming back in for Freo this week, a 64 average through two games. Any looks at him or are you too worried about job security? No, too many other good yeah. options. He's good yep, though, yeah. but not, yep. not reset. Price, job security, not enough, but it'd be good to see him get a game because they got a few outs, I think, with COVID. So yeah, if you could guarantee like the next 10 games from Erasmus, he'd shoot up my list, but it's just I don't think yeah. realistic with uh, with Freo and, and looks like he's only going to come in through... I think five's not too far away. Yeah, that yeah, as well. pushes him down a little bit further. All right, and then um, Paul Curtis, 117K forward for North. Um, kind of a small forward that works up the ground a bit, competes well, actually really liked his game. I think his job security is probably pretty rock solid given the effort that he was putting in. Uh, but yes, yeah, scoring potential is a big worry in that role. And given a lot of people already have Durden, Roses, Dixon, uh, McDonald, whoever it may be uh, on their rookie bench, don't want to put any of these people on field. So for me, it feels like it's a really hard week to, to bring in Paul Curtis, unless you're one of the, the few coaches that aren't already fielding, uh, sorry, benching two of those a week in your forward line. I like him. 
I like what I've seen from him. Um, in the Geelong game, I was really impressed. He had like five shots on goal, could have kicked more. You know, I think he kicked like one goal, three, and missed one altogether. And then I didn't catch too much of the Carlton game, but, you know, scored the same. Um, tackles, from what I can see. Of course, the role's crap. It's like Roses, you know, small forward in not a great team. So it's there's going to be some poor ones, but I do like the look of him. And I think, yeah, the job security is rock solid. So I might bring him in for a boost this week just to get a downgrade so I can um, upgrade next week without using one. But, um, yeah, I actually like what I've seen from him. What about you, Jaws? I think he'd be fourth on my rookie priorities behind. Uh, we'll get to Carol and Clark plus um, Macomb as well. So I'd have him behind them. So, yeah, if you have all of them or you better for your structure, I guess you could go for it. Otherwise, I'm not too worried passing on him. Great. Yeah, this is a really good segue, George, because there's a lot of rookies that have played one game this week that look like good downgrade options this week. And they look good enough to the point that we would break a typical rule of super coach, which is don't trade in a rookie before they're on their bubble. Uh, but yeah, with a plethora of really good options next week, it looks like we may actually break that rule this week and bring in some of the better ones just to make sure we can fit in all of those good downgrade options over the next couple of weeks. So jumping into them, there's one Greg the Leg Clark that Eno already brought in this week and fielded for a 104. I know it's an option that also brought us a lot of joy in fantasy this week where he like was a 110 on field or something ridiculous like that as well. He was someone that was in every single one of our sides on the field as an M8 in the preseason right up until he went down with a shoulder injury. He is a no-brainer this week, right? He's number one priority to bring into your team by far. You can go McComb this week and then get Clark in next week if that's how you're planning for it. Otherwise, yeah, just get him this week or next week, preferably this week, get him on field. Yeah, now I obviously wouldn't expect the 100-plus average, but it's not unrealistic to think he could kind of go around what um, Nick Martin and Dacos is around that 80 mark, which is still incredibly high for a rookie. Um, so yeah, pegging him at a, a really high standard, but it seems achievable, just natural ball winner, good with it in hand. And West Coast is crying out for talent at the moment. And he seems like he'll have uh, both good job security and good scoring potential going forward. I think he win their best and fairest from here. <laughs> that wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. All right. So next is one that came a little bit out of left field. Uh, so Jack Carroll, he is someone that slid in his draft year and got to Carlton later on than what was expected, um, but was praised, I think, a lot by um, recruiters outside of obviously those drafting on the night. Uh, came in and debuted with a 95, which is an incredible score against a pretty poor North outfit. For me, this feels like a little bit harder to bring in on the one game just because Carlton had so many outs last week um, and a lot of them to come back. You know, you've got Hewitt, Williams, uh, maybe like a Setterfield as well. So I think a bit of a wait and see, but if he gets through and is named for his third game, Jack Carroll is looking like a really promising downgrade option. Um, George, I, I, sorry, firstly, I don't think any of us would disagree with that kind of a view, but George, you mentioned that you might have him ahead of McComb as a downgrade option this week. Do you want to walk us through that? Oh, I'd probably have McComb maybe first above him. I can't remember what I said, what order I said. Um, <laughs> look, I I haven't watched, I didn't see the game. I can't really comment too much, but I know he's been really good in the VFL, been on in the bests just about every week in the VFL team and high, very high talent, as you said. So 
um, extra year in the system kind of fits the bill. Performed well at the level, although it was against North. Um, probably give him another week, though. I think there's, you'd go early on Clark over Carroll or just go McComb this week. I kind of just want all three of those. So um, wait and see how he goes. Now, job security. So he played wing. That's correct, I think. So yeah, he's yeah. competing with Setterfield. Who else? Setterfield, I don't know. Pretty much. Pretty Nunes. much. Nunes. Yeah. Sounds like he played better than them. So I'd give him another week. Um because yeah. like Stocker got injured, so that's easy in for, for Williams if he's ready. Yeah. Hewitt comes in, of course, and then yeah, I think it's just he's got to keep Setterfield out of the team. So you gotta wait on that, surely. Yeah, I'll wait. just wait on that, I guess. Yeah. Should have got the rising star, probably looking at the numbers, but mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well Clark's not eligible, neither would McComb or anything like that. So I think they gave it to Horn Francis. <laughs> Uh, due, but yeah, probably not the week to pick Corn Francis, for being honest. Anyway. Uh, all right, next, uh, a rookie from the Forbidden team. Uh, this would be Cooper Hamilton, a 102k forward mid uh, from the Giants. Thought he looked really good, actually. He scored 68 uh, on the weekend, but against Adelaide, once again, not the stiffest opponents. Uh, has Geelong this week. So I think it's a little bit of a wait and see how he performs against a better side and if he holds, but holds, but was really impressed. And I think he um, serves as another really good downgrade option potentially for next week. Not sure. Um, don't know if he holds his spot. He looked good, looked comfortable, played a bit behind the ball. Um, he's like ready made, I think, like what, 85 kilos, something like that. Or it was like 185 centimeters. Um, pretty big lad already. Uh, I just think there's better options have had that have had a few more preseasons at AFL level, and I, I'm not sure about job security. So uh, I think he's okay. I guess I think I need I need another week to assess this one. Can't go early. Yep. 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 Uh, and then um, uh, so I guess if you don't go. Um, Strandica, or yep, however you pronounce that. The other one that popped up this week was Aiden Begg, who debuted for Collingwood and I think played kind of more second ruck to Cameron, I believe. If you look it's at 50, it, 54 CBAs of Cameron, 46 to Begg, in case you're uh, wondering why Witt scored 135. <laughs> <laughs> Except he only had two hit outs, Begg, so his follow up work was good. Yeah, kicked the goal. It, yeah, managed to score. Think go. Managed yeah. to score eighty-one. This wasn't a game I got to watch closely, uh, which is probably good for my health, given what happened with Dugowie. Um, Did either of you get to watch Beg? And what were your thoughts on him? I watched a little bit. Like I was, yeah, I was a little bit impressed from him just for a, a first gamer. But I don't think it's something that's totally like repeatable um, too often. So. Look, he doesn't have to do much being 102K, right? So yeah, he's 123K, no, 123, rock only. Yeah, I just don't know where he fits. I think you'd have to be a praise owner, obviously, and then him be your R3. But um, yeah, I think I'd still like him over Stranatica, but uh, I'd need to see it again. I need to see it again. Yeah. Same boat. Which is the I'm, same with a lot of these guys. I think he was just asked to compete and follow up well, which he did. But. You know, he's a 19. How, like, putting him against the Wolves, basically. 
uh, pretty yeah. tough ask, and there's going to be some bad scores in there. So not one I really want on the field and not one we can really fit in. So probably pass, but see how he goes next week. All right. And then one I've added onto the list for completeness just because of how well he scored, and that's Maurice Rioli, 123K forward, uh, put a 92 up on the weekend in that dominant win over West Coast. Eno, what, what would you like to tell us about Rioli? Just don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, he played so, well. He, 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 what do they call it? He feasted on the carcass, mate. Just got three junk time <laughs> goals handed to him. I mean, he did it right. They were nice. he, he one had of them was two nice in about goal. 20 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Look, there were a couple were nice goals, but let's be honest, there's not much to take from that game. I think he holds his spot for a couple of weeks more, but um, uh, he's, he's like a 20 score candidate on a given week, so I just wouldn't touch it. <laughs> all right. And then, so to, to wrap this, uh, it all up because we've gone over all of them in, in a bit of deca- detail. Uh, in terms of yeah, priority to trade in this week, how would you rank them up from uh, let's say one to four? Because beyond that's probably a little bit redundant for these rookies. Yeah, uh, for this one week. this week, uh, one McComb because it's this week. Two Clark. Um, that's all I would do this week, and then three Carol. Four. Um, I feel like I'm missing somebody here. Yeah, for Curtis, that's the one. Yeah, it's not on the list here. Yeah, I'd go like that. Oh no, Curtis is on. He's on the bubble, so he's ahead of Carol. Yeah, he's ahead of Carol then for this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the same then. Already got Clark, but oh, geez, I'd be tempted to even say him over McComb. But if you're only getting one rookie, I think you have to get McComb and just wait another week on Clark. As much as you've brought his points um, on field, yeah, same order. Same order, McComb, Clark, Curtis, and Carroll. And then next week, we get a new forward downgrade, Isaac Rankin, sub 200k. <laughs> really? You dropped a two? Yeah. Or you a two or three? Three or something, yeah. How? Did, was he injured? Know. What happened? No. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, all right, let's let's quickly go into vice captain and captain then before we go to the Twitter questions, which is what will close us out. Um, so a couple of... Uh, players already mentioned, but George, where are you thinking for vice captain captain this week? Who do you like? I'll do a donkey VC Heaney and then just see Neil versus West Coast <laughs> with no tagger. That's free. Uh, just anyway. because I don't, I don't want it to. I, I see someone that can do a massive score. Um, yeah. If if I can somehow do Neil into Crips, I can. But they both play Sunday. <laughs> so, oh no, no, Neil plays Saturday. George, uh, <laughs> who's the VC's playing? on him. Yes, all right. <laughs> VC on track, and then as you said, Neil C. <laughs> I think that's safe. Yeah, so I have uh, Dunkley vice captain into Neil captain at the moment. Um, yeah, but that's Shoot primarily just because of where the loopholes are going to be. So it's probably just Stevens for me this week at the moment is what it looks like. But who knows? Last couple of weeks we've said that, and then we've had a few come from yeah. the heaven. So um, yeah, just based on having to pick someone before that Swans Gold Coast game, it looks like uh, one of the doggies. And we thought we've talked about already Dunkley being the vice captain option of choice. But with that said, if you're someone that does have a later loophole like a Machado Owens, I think it opens up a little bit for you where you know you could even consider like VC Neil into crap Captain Cripps. Uh, um, yeah. Or I really like, I guess, Brayshaw against North on Friday night as a, another option as well for someone that could go really large. Yeah, I do have Owen, so I could do that on Neil, but it feels like 
what's the upside? Oh, if you maybe had Gorn or something, or yeah, I'll stick with the Shrek. There's two um, Friday night games. I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, just, they're shortly apart as well, which is really frustrating. Hour apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. McCray does well at that oval, but I guess we spoke about that before. But you could still VC him if you want. Mm. Nah. See Neil. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, yeah. I just want to. I just want to Neil this week. Uh, all right, so let's jump into the Twitter questions. And first off, uh, friend of the podcast in Tim, uh, who obviously writes and works for Herald Sun. So if you went Hayes R2 and no gone, um, do you Oops. give him another chance or just get Max? So if you can get, um, I was going to say, if you can get, if you can get Max next week, then do it. I think this week Hayes might do okay Friday night. So. Um, just depends if you can fit Parker in, which you probably can. So I'd probably prioritize Parker first and get Max next week if you can. Otherwise, yeah. um, just upgrade around it and then pay 700 later for Max. Yeah, that's my view. Wait later on. All right, next question from Jacob. Uh, would it be worth double downgrading this week to have 400K in the bank next week or go down to one boost to get Parker in? If I go double downgrade, I'll be fielding Clark, Dacos, Martin, Hayes, Bruce, and Horn Francis. Boost. Okay. Yeah, boost. Boost, boost, <laughs> boost, boost, boost. All right, easy. Um, yeah, Get Parker, Parker on field for Horn Francis. <laughs> yeah, points on the field is worth a lot more than the money in the bank. And, and Parker's and the going boost. to go up in price. Yep, yep. All right. Is fielding praise plus upgrading around them now a losing strategy? Uh, getting up to gone instead of track this uh, week means Dacos gone with Paddy and Nod on the field this week versus Dacos and Hayes field. Uh, it's hard to read. But yeah, effectively, is fielding praise a losing strategy now? I don't think you'll lose too bad because there's a 600k gap between what people paid for gone and what people paid for Sam Hayes or 550k gap. So um, I don't know. What is scoring now? Scoring by 50 every week. It's probably still going to happen, but um, might lose out a little bit, but I don't think it'll be too bad. What did he say, JD, with the rookies? Like going gone means he has getting up to gone instead of Petraka means Dacos gone with Paddy and Nod on field this week versus Dacos and Hayes field. I'll just get track, keep Dacos and Hayes on the field. Paddy yep. may not even be back. Nod hasn't been scoring too well. I reckon you make up the ground there. The track can still score well. Yeah. yeah, getting the D's midfielders are like a mini hedge to gone because if he's <laughs> tapping well, then like they should be scoring well, you'd hope. But yeah. yeah. Um, all right. What rookies are worth getting in this week? Keeping an eye on. So already been discussed, but the priority ranking from George and Eno was McComb one, Clark two, Curtis three, Carroll four. Uh, looking at Zorko and Parker this weekend, Zorko back in the midfield will go massive against the Eagles. Um, I mean, if you're bringing in both, that sounds great, but we'd all have Parker ahead of Zorko if you're just picking one. Yep. Uh, yep. From the super coach Bull, very prominent man on Twitter. So two questions. One, who's the bigger priority this week out of Gorn and Stewart, uh, which uh, we haven't actually teed them off against uh, each other, between really. Between each other. I think it's Gorn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Positional advantage, I think. Yes. I would, I would probably have Gorn just because he's locked in at F1. Yeah, R one. Yeah, sorry, R one. Yeah. And there's just yeah. so so few alternatives as well. Um, and then yeah, secondly, McComb or Clark in this week. Feeling McComb only because neither will be on the field over Nick Martin. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah, definitely McComb then. Um, 
better option this week, Parker at 5.18 or Heaney at 5.35. So Parker at 5.18, I think, is what we all had as the number one now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The crazy Frenchman, crazy frogs, who I think what won round one last year and was leading overall for a couple of weeks, has asked us, what do we do with Hobbs? Oh, boy. Wave the white flag and concede. <laughs> um, you can't get rid of him, but yeah, you're not feeling I think him. you can because it depends how good Carroll is next week. Because we need slots in the midfield for Clark, McComb, and yeah. Carroll. That's the problem. Him, if he's playing, you give him a chance. And, and surely there's he, someone else to trade. Pissed oh, off no. for this trade. So <laughs> pissed off. But he, he tried, like you watch the game, JD. He tried hard and he, they, the amount of times they kicked to him and he was like isolated at half forward with like two or three people on him. Like, what is going on? Like, what are they doing to him? Uh, but first time watching he's, Essendon, huh? <laughs> Take him. Honestly, I was like, draft a midfielder, <laughs> put them at half forward in the dead role that they cannot play. It's like the, it's the, it's more dead than half forward. It's like, what was he doing? It was like he was staying so far up the ground too often, but like he worked hard when he was getting the ball, basically. So I like him. I think he can make 70k odd, but if, if these rookies like, um, Carol puts in, I don't know, another 90 next week, and you need to make room on the mid-bench. I wouldn't hesitate to get rid of Hobbs, who isn't going to do a whole lot. So I think Hobbs can go 45 from here, given the role. But, um, yeah, just unfortunate that got scammed here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, the role is just awful. And I I think you're right. His effort looks good. It's just that it's just a dead role in a poor team. You should flame the club if they drop him because he tried hard. (laughs) And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to flame the club at the moment, but yeah. Um, all right, who scores more this week? It sounds like a bit of a sit start decision. So, O'Driscoll against North or Dacos against Richmond? I'd just go know. Dacos, yeah, who knows? But I'd go Dacos, yeah, yep. Dacos, I guess. I think, I think I'd continue to back in Dacos with the high average. Uh, all right, is it worth picking a D6 this week for round 14 players? Pick or get my seventh mid this week? Uh, it's a bit hard to answer that question. You kind of just continue yeah. to go for whoever gets the, the worst rookies off-field that fits your buy structures, uh, that also presents some type of value. That's that's generally how just we approach that. Just f- figure out, yeah, what your, what's your D6 going to average and what's your D6 that you're getting in? Like, what's your D6 rookie currently and what's your... D6 Primo, and then work out the difference between your MA and your MA Primo, and then go from there. So, for example, Clark is significantly going to outscore O'Driscoll, most likely, by 20, 30 points. Maybe like 20 points. So, um, yeah, look at it from that and then go from there. All right. Crazy Frogs has uh, done a faux pas and double-dipped his chip. So, second question is a second tweet here. Use a boost to get McComb may become McNeil or Scott 2.0. So I, I think based on what we're saying, yes, you can boost to get McComb just because it looks like we've got other good options next week that we may want to have um, multiple trades open for. Yep. All right. Uh, a Kenny Powers impersonator. Is Goldie a sneaky option? 
so he's sneaky. Very sneaky that so I can't sneaky. even. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he's no, stuck no. right by us. <laughs> I need to go. What? What? Watch Eastbound and Down again. That was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So Goldie is four hundred and fourteen k, and I guess <laughs> the big thing here is, hell. yeah, he's been sh- shifted back into that number one ruck spot yeah. with Cherry out for the next what, month or so. Um, low break even of 48 and had a big game on the weekend going 125. We talked about gone. We talked about wits. Is there any reason why people should be bringing Goldie? Although the big thing with Goldie is he's a forward option as well, right? He got the DPP. If you had like so. a trillion trades, you think. could like you could get him in and then trade him on the last buy. Matt, look, Not against if, that play. If Cherry was out longer term, you'd consider yeah. it. But he's not. He's only a couple more weeks or two or three weeks, so. Um, they'd want to. They're going to persist with Cherry. I think they'll bring him back in at some point. Yeah, it's not a long-term Did, solution. I mean, Cherry was listed at four weeks last week, so yeah, three mm. more weeks. Uh, it's you're not even guaranteed to get good scoring through to that last buy, which makes it pretty tricky. If you had Cherry out until then, I think yeah, more interesting option. But unfortunately, probably not. He's so sneaky; he's going to have to keep on sneaking. Um, if you had to choose one premium upgrade, would it be Parker or Sicily? So. I think value considered Parker's still ahead of Sicily this week. Yep. Yep. Um, are expensive rucks overrated? There's good value in Proust, Laddams, Wits, Cherry, and Hayes before injuries. Thoughts? Oof. Okay, go on. Move on. <laughs> yeah. I th- I th- Wits, I think- you can make a case for. So go on. So this has always been the classic thing with the ruck line right there is the most money to make there just because rucks tend to score really well and have good flaws so if they've got great job security you can always make the most money there but when you look at like value over replacement or whatever you get in that position the difference between the top two rucks and then all your value picks is like 40 50 points a week and that can be more than what you see in defense and forwards and even to your midfield to a certain extent and it's why it's just like yes you get more value there but you are costing a lot of points by doing that so what we've seen from the last handful of years is that it is absolutely the expensive rucks have not been overrated. They've been the winning strategy every year. And this is the first year where that's been different. And we've had what nine ruck um, options pop up, which is crazy. Um, all right. To Rosie or not to Rosie. I know we missed a big price jump, but think his role is good. And wines talked him up in the post game. Last week's or flavor 40. of the week, really. It was yeah. a last week play, I think. I, I I didn't see him this game, but I saw him the two games before and he was really good. Really impressed with him. So I think it's probably too late. I just think um, you might as well pay an extra 60K for Parker. Yeah. 400 was all right. Worth a punt, but 450, probably not. Sorry, just I'm going to take us back. Speaking of last week's plays, um, someone that I was going to bring up in the defenders but completely whiffed on was um, Vlostone. So up to 503K now. Um, had another big game last week with a 110, owning the kickouts with Shorty out, out back, uh, break even 27. I know people are going to be asking about him. Eno, as our resident Tigers, man, what are your thoughts on Vlostone? Is he a real option at 500K? Can he go 105 plus? But before you start, you know, Short had yeah. zero kick-ins. Vlossen had four, and the other four were shared between like four and Rioli. Like, and, yeah. yeah. 
Um, if Shorty plays midfield the rest of the year, then I don't see why not. But there's still the questions with Vossen over his injury history. It's not great. It's not great. I And I can't buy that Shorty is midfield rest of the season, surely. Like, that was... <laughs> I he was good know. in the midfield. Really he was good. good, but it's West Coast. He was yeah, good, but true. it was West Coast. He's not a big man in stature by any means. So, um, can he get away with that against proper midfields? I don't know. Cochin's come back. Dusty to come back. Uh, surely goes back to halfback. Maybe St- has stints in there, but not. <laughs> Wasn't he our leading CBA mid or something stupid? Like, yeah. It's off. <laughs> That's not I the think- real thing. <laughs> Oh, he could be. We'll see how he goes. I think using <laughs> him up the gr- using him up the ground more. Yes, fifteen meter yeah. passes, hitting inside. No, 50. I know. Beautiful I know. He's insane. Watch. I love his yeah. leg. <laughs> Actually, RCD was the most. <laughs> uh, then Shorty second. Um, coming back to Vlaston, like he, he's actually very good role. If that is if that is the truth, if he gets the, all the kickouts, plus with how he intercepts and gets a ball behind, you know, gets it behind the ball. I don't know. I just. Don't like his injury history. That's my concern with him. Yeah, I feel like he's I been out of the team every month the last couple of years just for something. Yeah, I think the uh, the other big concern as well is that once again, like shares that first buy with Short, Hewitt, Whitfield, Ridley, Sinclair, Doherty. And so, yes, he's a value option, but you'd be careful. You'd want to be careful about getting too many of those into your side. Okay, cool. Um, so thinking of bringing in Pendlebury, Thoughts. I think we covered this yeah. off a little bit. It's not like the worst option, but probably not at the top of our lists. Yeah. Won't yeah. talk you out of it, but I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, all right. It, yeah. Doherty or Stewart this week, if you had to get in one. Whoever's better for your buy rounds, probably Stewart. Uh, given defense, it would be Stewart, I would imagine. Yep. Uh, and then uh, finally, so this is just um, someone's trade. So out, Berry, Cherry, and Drizzy in Clark, Parker, and Dale. Is this a good move? I like Dale. Yeah. That's he's good, also got yeah. the middle, middle buy that you're looking for, right? So down back. Yeah. Cherry, Berry, Drizzy. Yeah, that's a double upgrade. That's nice. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hard to fault a double upgrade, especially um, in Parker being such a good value option and Dale having that um, mysterious middle buy down back. So, yeah, I think that's everything from us for this week. Thanks for the questions on Twitter. Always good to see what the community is thinking of and weighing up. Uh, Closing thoughts before we wrap up another week of Fantasy Take TV. Eno, what are you going to leave us with? Uh, Go the Shrek. Bring me some joy back into this game. Um, <laughs> no, no, I won't say that. I'm still still enjoy Supercoach, but we need to start making some climb up the ranks. Will we do that Friday video, boys? You reckon? If if you're around, yeah. Some I know this has been an hour and a half. So for people that don't watch an hour and a half content, we can do something that's 15 minutes or something on yeah. Friday. <laughs> Just our final trades for the week. So yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Uh, George, final thoughts from you? Well, I think Anna's focusing on FPL. You're focusing on fantasy. I'm focusing on sports deck. <laughs> Supercoach <laughs> is our second priority at the moment, but we still love it. Okay. And for me, um, a quote to finish off. So I've learned <laughs> that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. 
And George and I, I'm feeling really good after an hour and a half with you two. So looking forward <laughs> to the week ahead. <laughs> Thanks everyone Very for well. joining us and we'll see you on the next one.